it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. It's almost time for another week of NFL football, but before we get ready for another week, we got to talk about what happened in week one, and I'm joined once again by none other than Kyle Thacker to break all that down with me. Kyle, say what's up to everybody. How's it going, everyone? Good to be here. Hey, we're glad to have you back once again. We got lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, first thing I want to say before we go into this is it's week one of the NFL, guys. You can't sit here and overreact to everything, and that's the one thing me and Kyle are trying to do. I mean, Kyle, when you say that's the biggest mistake you can make is overreacting to what you see week one? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it comes to a point where we haven't even seen preseason. We haven't seen – I mean, these got, these teams are going to be – different three or four times throughout the season so it's one of those deals where we can't take this week you know we'll take it with a grain of salt basically um no I agree with you completely like I I feel like that that's the worst thing you can do and like you said no no preseason I mean how are you even going to know what any of these teams are made of with no preseason I mean there's some teams I guarantee you there will be teams that might start the season out 0-2-0-3 that'll finish the season making the playoffs. I mean, we saw the Texans start at 0-4 a couple of years ago and make the playoffs, but they did go on like a nine-game win streak. But still, I mean, the end, of the beginning of the season isn't the end of the world. Um, the best way we feel like to break this thing down is kind of starting with um, something that surprised us in week one. I'll go ahead and start us out on that. And honestly, I was surprised by how sharp Ben Roethlisberger looks. So the Steelers... Had, were two and ten straight up in their last uh, twelve week ones of the season. Pretty much all those were with Roethlisberger as their quarterback. Um, not gonna lie, I kind of expected more of that with the Steelers, but in matter of fact, it was not the case. Ben Roethlisberger looked very sharp. He threw for two hundred twenty nine yards and uh, three touchdown passes. And honestly, if it was a closer game and he had to air it out more, I think he would have been perfectly fine with airing the ball out even more. No interceptions. I mean, 21 for 32, that's pretty decent completing the ball. I and mean, what did you think? You thought Roethlisberger looked sharp? I mean, he definitely looked better than I thought he was going to look. Um, more importantly, they just needed their captain back. You know, it's it's hard to run a whole season with not only a guy that isn't your starter, but that hasn't been running this offense for years and years. So, I mean, ben, ben looked better than I thought. You know, coming off a bad injury at that age, it's easy to think that he would be a shell of himself, but he wasn't. He was he was effective, and that's all you can really ask from Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, see, there's a lot of question marks with Ben coming this season. He gets hurt all the time. He hurt his elbow last year, and honestly, he wasn't effective at all in those games he played in. I mean, that Seahawks game, they couldn't even move the ball. In that, Eagle, in that uh, Patriots game, I think they got shut out to start out the season last year. So, you know, Big Ben definitely looks like the Big Ben of old. What would you say surprised you the most from week one? So, my surprise is it's a little bit of a surprise, a little bit of a not. Um, for me, I would say Jamal Adams, the impact he brought for that Seattle defense was extremely surprising. You know, his talent d- doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I knew he was the best safety in the league. Like, that wasn't anything I ever questioned. Um, he's just been on a terrible team, a terrible organization. And now he's on one of the most well-run organizations in the NFL. So I knew he was going to be effective, but I didn't realize how effective he would be. I mean this when I say this. I genuinely think the Falcons could have won that game if Jamal Adams isn't playing. Time after time after time, the man's just making plays. Like Whether it's down the field or on the line of scrimmage, they've really learned, how, or in a very short amount of time, 
how to utilize him and make him the most effective that he can be. So I, I was really surprised about how big a role he played in such a small amount of time in that Seattle defense. Yeah, honestly, I was completely shocked by that too. It's kind of funny. So after they let Clowney go, I was on the podcast saying, you know, Seattle doesn't really have a pass rusher. They're going to struggle with the pass rush. Well, Jamal Adams came off the edge multiple times yeah. and got sacks or, you know, hurried Matt Ryan and made him get rid of the ball. I mean, he was honestly a menace on the field. Like, he looks like an Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu-esque with the type of plays he was making all around that defense. I thought Seattle made a bad trade to give up and go get him, but... Honestly, like I haven't seen a safety literally since I've watched those two guys play be that versatile just in the entire defense and the plays he's making all over the field. I mean, felt like every single play you were calling Jamal Adams' name or every single play you were yeah. watching Jamal Adams make a play. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I mean, that's that that's scary sight to see them plug a guy like that into that defense. Um, next question we got on here is um, what didn't surprise you for this week of week one and I'll let you start off with this one what didn't surprise you so what did not surprise me is the fact that the Packers put up 43 points against the Minnesota Vikings and I'll tell you why it's not necessarily all about Aaron and it's not necessarily all about the Vikings defense you know I think that you know when you're in the NFL you and you're a premier player you constantly have to find ways to get better you know whether it's internal external you know whether something that is occurring is lighting your fire whatever it may be the the Packers lit Aaron Rodgers fire this past all season by drafting um by drafting love so he I mean he came out fire and did not hesitate you know we didn't see the typical Rodgers, uh, there's nothing open, I'm just going to dink it out of bounds because I'm pissed off at the play calling. No, he was a dog. But I will also say on the flip side of that, I wouldn't be surprised if the, this Vikings defense let this happen time and time again against good quarterbacks because that defensive secondary is abysmal. It's mm-hmm. terrible. So if you get a good, experienced quarterback who can shred that defensive backfield up, I expect to see this a lot. Yeah, I actually am going to agree with you. Honestly, I like the spinoff you took it on that because I was thinking you were just saying because the Vikings defense sucks and that was kind of something that both of us agreed on. But, you know, I thought I think the Vikings defense will get a little bit better when they get Daniil Hunter back in there. But until he's in there, it's going to be rough, guys. I mean, they lost pretty much their entire starting secondary besides Harrison Smith. You know, when you don't have a secondary like that, they can fly around and make plays. It gets tough. I mean, it really showed. Devontae Adams had 100 yards receiving before halftime. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Stantling, I think, I don't I know, mean, he caught a touchdown. I don't know what his final numbers were. But he also dropped a pass that he was wide open in the middle of the field from and could have walked into the end zone pretty much. Like Alan Lazard also had a great game. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it literally felt like whatever the Packers wanted in that secondary, they got. And, I mean, even running the ball, too. I mean, this Vikings defense, like you said, you know, they looked abysmal on Sunday. And, unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think that's something to look forward to, you know, take advantage of early, whether it's in your fantasy matchups, whether you bet or anything. Like, I think that Vikings defense not being accounted for how bad they are is something to take advantage of early on. Um, my thing that I was honestly not surprised of was the Washington football team's D-line. So I'd been preaching 
that this might actually be the most stacked defensive line in the entire NFL, and they absolutely took over. Carson Wentz threw two interceptions, which is kind of uncharacteristic for him. I mean, he was sacked eight times. He was hurried, rushed, hit on pretty much every single play. I mean, it was 17-0. Then all of a sudden, it was like nothing could happen. I mean, Washington has Jonathan Allen. They have uh, Chase Young. I mean, they have Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat. Ryan Kerrigan is a backup um, pass rusher for them. That's how stacked up this line is. They used their last four first-round picks on the, on the defensive line. I mean, I'm not saying that I think Washington's a playoff team or anything, but they're definitely going to win some games and be competitive and give teams trouble that don't want anything to do with them because of how stacked this defensive line is. Deron Payne's the other one I was forgetting, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, there there's no other way around it. This Washington defense, especially the line, it's it's going to be a wrecker. It's going to tear offensive lines apart. It's going to put fear into the eyes of quarterbacks and it's going to really change game plans for offensive coordinators. So, you know, it's it's it is a weapon. There's no way around it. And I'll I'll get into this more a little a uh, little later, but you know, this this defensive line is going to have to carry this team. So, no, absolutely. And, you know, they got Riverboat Ron as their head coach. He's a guy who's known for his strong defenses. You know, they went out and added Thomas Davis. They also have Ronald Darby and Kendall Fuller in the back of that defense. So, and Landon Collins, too. You know, so when you look at this Washington football team defense, it's really not terrible. Now, they might have one of the worst starting quarterbacks, some of the worst wide receivers and running backs in the league, but <laughs> that defense is stout. And I think they actually have one of the top defensive units in the league. Um, our last questions is what do you expect to see more of that you saw in week one? What do you think about what do you uh, expect to see more of? So what I expect to see more of is well, I, you know, not necessarily expect to see more of, but expect to see down the road. I think the Texans will rebound. Um, they've got they really do have more talent and a good system in place than then meets the eye, yes, they should not have traded Hopkins. Like, it's it's pretty simple, but they did, and this is the roster they have right now. They've got a top three quarterback, in my opinion. I think he's, as far as talent goes, um, mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily a top three accomplished quarterback, but he's definitely a top three talented, in my opinion. Um, and he can really carry this team. He's got a nice running back. He's got some offensive weapons. It's not like, you know... Texans is the Texans are rolling out a bunch of undrafted players like they still have you know uh, Fuller and Cobb and um, Cooks they went and got Brandon Cooks yeah. so it's it, they're gonna be all right they're in a bad ter honestly awful division mm -hmm. that they are gonna easily win or compete it's going to be between them and the titans um and i mean the colts will still have a chance but i agree with you You know philip rivers is going to keep throwing those interceptions yeah i mean I, there's just too many question marks after week one about the colts for me to say like touch on anything without you know overreacting like we mentioned but yeah no i i think the texans will rebound they played the bet arguably the best team in the league so and then people are overreacting saying the texans oh they suck they shouldn't have traded to sean or uh they shouldn't have traded Hopkins. So, I mean, I, just take a chill pill. The Texans are going to be all right. Hey, you know what I call that, Thacker? I think that's the classic narrative that you see in the NFL. You watch a team on primetime get massacred by the best team in the NFL. Then you watch their star player that get traded away go for 14 catches, and everyone assumes, oh, they're horrible. They don't right. know what they're doing. Look, Bill O'Brien is a decent in-game coach. He's just a horrible GM more so. I mean, everyone's right. already thrown yeah. the Texans in the trash. 
I mean, Deshaun Watson's here to stay now. He got the big contract. There's no question marks about him wanting out and getting out. He's here to stay with this team. I mean, J.J. Watt didn't have much more time left. I think they're just going to figure things out. You know, that's easily, like you said, the worst draw you could have for opening night of the season yeah. to go into to go into Kansas City and play them when they even got better after winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a pretty hard feat for any team in the league to pull off. Also, too, you know, like you said, Deshaun Watson's a top three quarterback in this league. He can make up for a lot of your sins. When you play in a bad division like that, Texans are far from done, guys. I, w- I mean, I think the Texans will be fighting it out till the last week to get in the playoffs. So. Yeah. I think there's a lot more to come. I actually think Josh Allen is going to keep on dominating. So I don't know if a lot of y'all remember, but I did pick Josh Allen to win MVP of the NFL last week. So it'd be either him or Russell Wilson. I gave you all the reasons, but Josh Allen came back and um, backed everything up. And one of his big knocks was he's inaccurate. Well, he threw 71% in his first game of the season. He had three total touchdowns, 14 rushes for 57 yards, 312 yards passing, three total touchdowns. I mean, Josh Allen came out absolutely balled out, played one of the, his best games, honestly, he's played in the NFL. And if anything, I think it's what you want to see out of a guy coming into his third year. You get him all these offensive weapons. You get Stephon Diggs. He got, I mean, I think Diggs, I don't remember what Diggs' final tally was, but I know he had a great game too. You know, it felt like Josh Allen looked comfortable out there and he had everything he needed finally. Yeah, comfortable and more importantly, confident. He looked like a QB that knew what he was doing. He didn't look like a QB that was ready to throw a 10-yard pitch on a 20-yard run in the playoffs. So he he looked like he was supposed to be under center. You know, like he, he didn't look out of place, which he has in the past. But he's an athlete. All that All that anyone needed from him was a little bit of consistency, you know. And he's showing that, yes, it was probably against the worst team in the NFL, but it didn't matter. Josh Allen could have played a high school team and he wouldn't have put up numbers like he did in his rookie year. So, I mean, I'm I'm very encouraged by what I saw from Josh Allen. Yeah, he's only going to keep getting better. And when you got a defense that good, if he plays half that for the rest of the season long, the Bills will easily make the playoffs. Um, some other quick questions we want to get through, kind of the important things. You know, it's tough kind of to come up with storylines coming out of week one because you don't want to sit here and, you know, throw team, go ahead and throw teams in the trash after one game when there's been no preseason. But what did you think about Joe Burrow's first game? Were you impressed with him? Um, I wasn't impressed. Um, he, I mean, they called an incredibly safe game for him. Again, and, it, and the game in general was just such a sloppy, disgusting game. Um, he didn't impress me by any means, but he didn't look bad. He looked in control. Um, he made plays when he had to. Um, you know, I, th- I think Bengals fans would have liked them to get in the end zone a time or two more. Um, I feel like they were on that side of the field the whole game, but never could get it in. Um, you know, it's, it's probably what you would expect out of the number one pick on a terrible team first week of the season with no preseason limited mini camp like I mean there wasn't a lot to expect here in my opinion now you know other people could have expected him to ball out but this is right I mean what did he have like just under 200 yards passing he probably ran for I don't know 20 yards or something like that so I mean he he played well but Nothing nothing spectacular, in my opinion. Yeah, he ended up running for 46, actually, okay. but I thought he played well. You know, I thought he used his legs to advantage, which was something you saw him do a lot in college when yeah. they had all those wide receivers and kind of sent him vertical. The whole defense would drop back and he'd say, wait a minute. 
and run. So honestly thought, though, he played well, and I thought it's an encouraging sign for Cincinnati Bengals fans. I mean, you get done with a season last year where it looks like you don't have much hope or anything. You have your rookie quarterback thrown in there with no preseason games, and I thought he played a decent game. I like the fact that he that he targeted A.J. Green nine times, even though he only completed five of them. He knew who was going to help him out in this game, and he tried to get it to him. Um, I also thought, though, that I mean, I just thought he played a good game all around. I mean, I thought they were pretty conservative with their play calling. You know, didn't want to see him do too much or too little. But I think it's good things to build off of. And I think that yeah. the the upside's there for Burrow. You know, like I think Burrow can, like I would say after watching that game, I think there's probably a pretty damn good chance he's going to come out and win and, and win Rookie of the Year. Well, yeah, I should I should also add, I'm grading him on the fact he was the number one overall pick. So, you know, as, you know, compared to – rookie quarterback yeah this was a great performance but it's what I would expect out of the number one pick Mm -hmm. no I agree with you completely I just think though we've seen so many of these guys flop in their first game so I thought no doubt about it I, I mean it's encouraging no doubt yeah, no, I think that I think let's put it this way. I think the mood is definitely better in Cincinnati. I mean, he he did put him in position too to win the game until the Bengals did the most Bengal thing ever and had Randy Bullock tore or what do you do? He uh, pulled his hamstring on the game-winning kick, yeah. and that's just that's just the Bengals, man. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I will say this: I'd rather be a Cincy fan than the other team on the other side of the state with their quarterback situation. So, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And also too, you know, the Chargers do have a good defense, so definitely a tough situation to get everything started off, but I thought he made the most of it. Um, what do you think about Cam Newton? How do you look on the Patriots? And honestly, just how do you think the Patriots look in general? Yeah, so Cam, I knew they were going to run. Uh, I knew they were going to run him and not really be afraid to do it, make it a part of their system, almost make it a staple of their system. Um, and he did. He ran, I think, 15 times, um, which – that's what we kind of were used to seeing from Cam when he was at his at his best. Um, he was he's a run first quarterback. I I'm sorry, but he is. You know everything everything for Cam is off of the run. You know he can't he can't make those RPOs or those play actions without you know getting those linebackers to cheat up a little bit. So I think Cam looked good. Um, physically, he looked great, which I think that is really the number one thing with Cam because he's an absolute tank. Like, there's there's no one that's going to figure out how to tackle him better. Like, he, he's just a freight train. So if he's healthy, you know, that's all you can ask for as a Patriots fan. I was surprised at how good the defense looked. Obviously, Fitzpatrick's not going to be <laughs> the guy to come out there and shred a defense mm-hmm. unless he's playing for the Buccaneers, then he might, or he might throw four interceptions. Um, but against this Patriots defense, who literally it seems like half of the defense opted out, um, they performed pretty well. And I just think it, it's one of those things where Belichick's going to put his team in a situation where they can win. So, I mean, if you're writing off the Patriots, you're a fool. They're going to be competitive, especially with the extra playoff spot. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I always thought the Patriots would be competitive, and they'll probably have, you know, like an 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, season. I think I saw from them about what I expected. Look, as long as Cam Newton's healthy, this is the Cam Newton you need. I've said, Like, you said it best, you know, Cam Newton is not a runner. He's a passer. 
I mean, what am I saying? The other way around. He's not a passer. He's a <laughs> right, runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Cam Newton, those 15 rushes for 75 yards and two TDs, that's what he needs to get things going. The reason why he was so ineffective last year is because his foot was hurt. So not only could he not run, but he also couldn't even plant a throw. So right. he couldn't do either of them proper. I, mean, I think there's still some good usage left in Cam Newton. I wouldn't say there's a lot left. I think the Patriots will squeeze a good bit out of him and help him get a new contract here. But... I think that's pretty much what they'll keep doing is they'll keep running the ball like that, you know, keeping that ground and pound mentality. I mean, they ran the ball 42 times and only passed it 19 times, and I think that's the kind of game the Patriots want to play. They want to play a slowed-down defensive game. You know, Belichick's, no matter who all he has sitting out, he still is going to do something with defense. I also thought that it was funny, too, kind of how all the players that he let go all played awful on Sunday and Sunday and Monday. Did you notice that, too? Yeah. <laughs> like, Brady, I mean, threw two picks. And Gostowski missed the more... Th- I think he missed more field goals in that game than he did in, like, a couple seasons. So, yeah. you know... Yeah. I, was, Belichick knows what he's doing, man. Mm, that's what I'm saying. Belichick wouldn't let anybody walk away for no reason. I mean, even the defense, too. He coached them up without Hightower in there. Held the Dolphins to 11 points. I don't care who's playing quarterback in there. That's still impressive. So the Patriots are no slouches, and I mean, they're not to be slept on. But one thing I would watch out for, though, is once Cam Newton gets banged up a little bit, I guarantee you his productivity is going to go down. Yeah, so. and, and that's something I would look out for is, you know, they're, I want to see if this is sustainable. Obviously, week one, you can carry it 15 times no problem if you're in, you know, peak physical condition. But how's that going to be over a 16-game season? We'll see. Yeah, no, it's definitely gonna be it's definitely gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out over the rest of this season. Um, last one is I actually don't think that this is a overreaction. Is the Jets is the worst team in football? Uh, do you think I'm overreacting a little bit, or you think they're just uh, is that they just did a better job of um, ensuring us what the statement I made before the season started? Uh, I mean, you could easily say the Jets. I mean, if you look at their roster, you look at their coaching staff. It's right up there. I don't know. You couldn't really make an argument against it. So, you know, and with Le'Veon going out, this is just going to be a rough season. I'm sorry, Jets fans. It's going to be a rough one. Just buckle up and get ready for the number one overall pick next year. Yeah, no, I think the I think it's going to be a tough time for the Jets. I think we'll see Adam Gase coach his last game, and actually, I don't even know if Adam Gase will make it through the rest of the season. They might let him finish it out because it's going to be kind of a hopeless season for him. But you know, I feel bad for the Jets. They thought they built something up. Everything they built up pretty much came down for them pretty fast. Luckily, they've got pieces to rebuild from the Jamal Adams trade, but. You know, it was bad. It was ugly. It was awful. I mean, that's pretty much the only way to put it for the Jets. It's going to be a long season. Um, we do actually have one last question. All right. What do you think your the biggest overreaction will be this week? Ooh, I was hoping you would ask me this question because I had to check you. Okay, biggest overreaction, the Washington football team. They are not a good football team. Their defensive line, it's a scary, scary thing, okay? But that a defensive line is not going to carry a team. And it's, it, you know, it can get them a couple wins, which it did. But this game has more to do with the Philadelphia Eagles because the Philadelphia Eagles are the biggest frauds in the NFL. If you still think that this team is a Super Bowl contending team, you are out of your mind. And yes, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan telling you this. I am biased, but it's the truth. That O-line with Lane Johnson and Jason Peters out is terrible. And Carson Wentz, his decision-making when he's scrambling or you know trying to improvise is, has been very questionable, and especially in this game. 
How do you get sacked eight times as a mobile quarterback? Tom Brady doesn't get sacked eight times. You know why? Because he gets the ball out of his hands, whether it's an incompletion or you know what a check down, whatever it may be. You can't get sacked eight times. So you know I I understand this Washington uh, D line is good, but I don't expect to see this kind of production week in and week out. Yeah, you know, I think that's fair, though. I mean, also, too, you know, Dwayne Haskins did have a great matchup against the Eagles secondary. I mean, it's no secret the Eagles secondary sucks. They don't even have Ronald Darby anymore. You know, they've been pretty horrible over the last couple of years. So, you know, I definitely agree with you on that. Look, I don't think the Washington football team is going to win more than six games. I just thought their D-line was nasty, you know, and that kind of confirmed Which they that. are. <laughs> yeah, but there will be plenty of games that will come out there and we'll be able to get anything going on offense. And finally, the D-line is going to be like, man, F this. We can't do anything on offense, you know. So... That's kind of how it goes, but you know, honestly, I think the biggest overreaction. It's it's tough, but it, there's a lot of ways I want to go with this one. But I'm actually going to go with the Saints and people saying the Saints' offense and everything's going to be unstoppable. Look, they the Buccaneers had three turnovers that gave the Saints great field position. Drew Brees didn't really complete any throws down the field. I still think the Saints are going to have a lot of problems and lots of struggles. That was the first game with a 43-year-old quarterback in his first season in 20 years playing in a new system. I kind of expected the Buccaneers to have some struggles. I personally don't think the Saints are going to be the Saints of the old this year, so I think that's going to be the biggest overreaction is that the Saints are this unbeatable juggernaut again. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. They had a great game plan, which is expected out of Sean Payton week one, short, you know, short prep time. You're going to, I mean, he's he's like Bill Belichick. He's going to put his team in a position to win. So, you know, the fact that they had a good game plan doesn't surprise me. They controlled the ball. Um, they forced the Buccaneers to make errors, which they did. I mean, this is, they, this is a new team with a new system, you know, new ideology, new everything. So it's very, very realistic to think they're going to make, they're going to make errors and I think Sean Payton knew that and took advantage of it I, look I don't think this team is you know so a juggernaut by any means to use the word that you used I think that they're going to be a good team I think they're they're uh, probably at this point the favorite to win the the division but at the same time I could see them going nine and seven so yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's still a lot to be determined with this team. Drew Brees is old. I mean, he still looked old. He threw for under 200 yards in that game. Did he so. throw any passes over 20 yards? No, he didn't. He was, I think he was over three on passes down the field. So yeah. teams are going to catch on to that very, very quickly. But that's all we got for y'all today. And, you know, we're going to we're gonna try not to overreact to what we see here in the first couple of weeks. And if anything, make a rhyme and reason out of everything. Kyle, you got anything left to say before we get up out of here? Nah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on once again. We appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again next week.